Hi, my name is Ash Milkovic. I am honored to be here today to talk with you guys about hormones and inflammation. Um, I am a nutritional therapy practitioner, functional hormone expert, and functional blood chemistry specialist. I do a lot of work in the functional hormone health realm. I am a practitioner, an educator, a mentor, and a guide, and I also serve as the founder and the CEO of the International Association for Functional Hormone Health. So IAFHH, the International Association for Functional Hormone Health, is an educational institution that is on a mission to empower women's health professionals with a mastery in functional hormone health. We support practitioners through one-on-one -on -one mentorship, as well as a 13-week practitioner training, academic webinars, educational resources, and so much more. We stand as the voice of authority on the most up-to-date education in women's health, and it is an honor to be able to provide that level of support to the practitioners and the people out there who need it most, especially in the cystic fibrosis community. So I'm really happy to be here today. What we are going to talk about are pr primarily how hormones and inflammation are connected and how this can be involved with cystic fibrosis cases. So we're going to talk about the primary roles of hormones in the body. We're going to talk about how inflammation can interfere with hormone health. We're also going to talk about how stress and cortisol imbalances can contribute to inflammation and hormone imbalances. And then we'll also be discussing how we can nourish a healthy stress response and hormone balance within the body. So let's go ahead and dive in. So what are the primary roles of hormones in the body? Hormones in and of themselves make up the endocrine system, and they are chemical messengers that the body uses to help to facilitate communication between tissues and organs, and they help to run, operate, mandate, facilitate many different bodily processes across all body systems, not just the reproductive system. So we hear a lot about hormones and the reproductive system, which definitely has a heavy role and influence in that. But truthfully, hormones influence every single area of a person's health and well-being, also regardless of if they are male or female. So we have hormones influence um, the digestive system, the blood sugar regulation system, the inflammation system, the nervous system, and so, so much more. But for females in particular, there are certain sex hormones, such as GnRH or gonadotropin-releasing hormone, FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone, LH, luteinizing hormone, as well as estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone, which are the primary hormones that are involved in facilitating ovulation and menstruation. Now, although hormones influence many areas of the body, ovulation and facilitating the ovulatory process is incredibly integral for supporting many areas of the body as well. So there are hormones outside of the ones that I just listed, but these ones in particular are beneficial for ovulation and beyond. So some of the benefits, the benefits of ovulation and these hormones that are produced through that process help to facilitate and maintain the health and function of our brain, including our mood, our memory, our cognition, as well as supporting our heart health, our bone health. Um, they're there to be supportive for um, cancer protection, as well as some of the basic systems in the body, like the digestive system and digestive function, blood sugar balance, and inflammation balance, as I had mentioned earlier. 
However, speaking to cystic fibrosis, this is kind of where the fun comes in and the research of hormone health and sex hormone health, specifically with cystic fibrosis cases. So speaking specifically to estrogen and progesterone, when we have a balance of estrogen and progesterone, this helps to support an environment that is favorable for specific chloride transport systems that are independent of CFTR. So you guys know, I'm sure CFTR is a cystic fibrosis transmembrane conductance regulator gene and protein. And so when we have a balance of estrogen and progesterone, um, this helps to support additional chloride transport systems outside of that gene, which is helpful for those who have CF, of course. In addition, a balance of estrogen and progesterone from healthy ovulation helps to support the clearance of the bacterium Pseudonoma aeruginosa, which is a bacterium that is really problematic for individuals with cystic fibrosis, particularly women. So we wanna make sure that we are supporting hormone balance, that we are optimizing ovulation as much as possible, even for individuals who are not trying to get pregnant, don't have those same fertility goals. And this is just why ovulation and healthy menstruation are so important beyond just reproductive function. And we can see how that intertwines with supporting um, individuals with cystic fibrosis as well. So we know that cystic fibrosis can contribute to a lot of inflammation within the body. And then the question comes in, how does this inflammation interfere with hormone health? And can hormone health interfere with inflammation? And they kind of go hand in hand. So the first thing we need to understand is that inflammation can be caused by many different things. So for cystic fibrosis, a lot of the inflammation is the result of an upregulated immune system and chronic infections due to the condition. But inflammation can be caused by numerous other things as well, including stress, which we'll get to a little bit later, um, environmental toxins, um, your dietary choices, uh, the environment that you live in, um, there's just so much that goes and contributes into inflammation as a whole. So that's kind of a conversation for a different day, but we'll kind of keep it to cystic fibrosis and the inflammation that is produced from that in this setting and how that interferes with hormone health. So with this type of inflammation, what we are seeing most often is that there is um, an upregulated immune response due to the inability to clear that mucus properly and an increased risk of infections. And so when we have infections and we have an upregulated immune system response, we start to see excess histamine buildup. And so histamine is going to be a response from certain immune cells um, in the presence of different bacteria, pathogenic invasions, and things like that. And so when we have excess histamine buildup, this can interfere with numerous areas of the body, including the intestines, um, the pancreas, the liver, the reproductive organs, which are all primary areas that can be impacted through cystic fibrosis. So with this, we can see that that histamine can have an influence on many areas of the body and of health, but hormone health in particular is one that can get impacted. So as we know, hormones are involved in all body systems, and at the same time, all body systems influence the structure and function of our endocrine health. So 
when we start to see hormone imbalances that can occur from excess histamine buildup, the inflammation and the upregulated immune system response, of course, this can interfere with numerous other areas of the body as well as reproductive function. Although specifically speaking to histamine that can be upregulated due to cystic fibrosis cases <clears throat> and produced from more of that immune system related inflammation, we know that histamine can stimulate the endogenous production of estrogen. So the estrogen that is produced within the body. And when we have excess estrogen, this is one of the imbalances that can impair those um, electron transport systems that I talked about a little bit earlier. So we want to make sure that we're having a balance in estrogen um, and we're not having too much of it. But unfortunately, that histamine can stimulate more production of estrogen, which can further um, contribute to these issues. And at the same time, an excess in estrogen can further stimulate histamine issues because when we have estrogen in excess in our system, this can trigger mast cells within our body to produce even more histamine. In addition to this, excess estrogen can reduce the DAO enzyme, which is a necessary enzyme for helping to clear histamine within the body. So we start to see this pattern occur where we have excess histamine come through. And then we have, because of that histamine, we see more estrogen come in. And then because we have more estrogen, we start to see more histamine. And we start to degrade our body's ability to clear that histamine. And thus we produce more estrogen and the cycle continues. So this can be one of the problems that we see um, and potentially maybe a reason why um, cystic fibrosis can kind of compile over time in tandem with estrogen and hormone related imbalances. In addition to this, inflammation from cystic fibrosis cases um, specifically, but inflammation in general too, can interfere with hormone receptor function, um, as well as damaging the quality and the health of our cells and the cell membranes. Um, which hold those hormone receptors. So when we have inflammation that's interfering with our hormone receptor function, this degrades the cell's responsiveness to these vital sex hormones. And as I mentioned, these vital sex hormones are necessary for our brain health, our heart health, our bone health, and so much more. So we can see that if we have an interference there, this can impact not only our reproductive health, but so much more. In addition to that, this inflammation and the stress, which we'll talk a little bit more about momentarily, can interfere with the HPA axis. So the HPA axis stands for the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. And this is the primary communication system between the brain and the adrenals, which help to regulate, um, modulate the stress response system in our body. And when we have an interference in that communication between our brain and our adrenals, this can also interfere with our brain's communication to other endocrine glands, such as the ovaries and the thyroid. So we might see thyroid-related issues as well as ovarian or gonadal-related issues, which can lead to ovulation issues and further impair hormone balance from that point. So... Speaking a little bit more to stress in the HPA system and cortisol imbalances that can occur 
due to excess inflammation. How does this relate to further imbalancing hormones in a sense? How can stress contribute to inflammation and further hormone imbalances? So just how inflammation can contribute to hormone imbalances, as I described, this can increase stress and then stress can further increase inflammation within the body as a natural response to excess stress and excess cortisol. Um, cortisol in and of itself and the stress response system is meant to be modulatory. So when we have a stressful situation and it's minor, um, it may not necessarily cause chronic inflammation to that extent, but in today's day and age, we have chronic stressors all around us between our food, our environment, um, rushing, getting the kids to school early in the morning, not eating an appropriate breakfast, um, over-exercising, under-exercising, the amount of toxins that we are subjected to on a daily basis. All of these things can interfere and contribute to stress within the body. So at this point in time, we're looking at a compounding impact. So the interesting thing is that cortisol in and of itself can be anti-inflammatory and it actually helps to modulate that stress response, as I mentioned. But when the body can't clear the cortisol because there's so much of it being produced as a response to the chronic stressors that are around us, this in turn can increase inflammation further, having the opposite effect of what it would if it was in an appropriate amount. So this is where the conversation of excess stress and cortisol imbalances can um, cause those issues. So with cortisol imbalances, we can see a couple of different things. We can see excess cortisol, which is typically the common response um, when we start to see this compounding impact of all of our life stressors, it can increase um, cortisol. Cortisol continues to elevate, continues to elevate. Eventually what happens is that cortisol will elevate to the point where the inflammation that is caused from excess cortisol can damage the HPA system. So the hypothalamus and the pituitary within the brain can become damaged, interfering with that communication. When that happens, this can actually begin to decrease our cortisol. So in the past, this would be known as adrenal fatigue, um, where people feel a lot of fatigue, their cortisol is interfering with their energy, their mood. Um, there used to be a lot of conversation about adrenal fatigue, but we actually know today that it is not the fatigue of the adrenals more so it is the damage of the response from the brain to the adrenals. So we call this HPA dysfunction or dysregulation in that kind of sense, which, which is the more appropriate term for describing the situation. So when we have excess inflammation, excess stress, it can lead to that miscommunication. And as I mentioned earlier, when we have a miscommunication between the HPA system, we start to see a miscommunication within the HPT, so the hypothalamus pituitary thyroid, and the HPO, the hypothalamus pituitary ovarian, which can further impact hormone imbalances. And again, go back to all the conversations we had a moment ago of how that can impact cystic fibrosis and further inflammation. So we see this sort of um, chronic pattern happen when we get into this state. In addition, um, we also see that excess stress and inflammation and oxidative damage 
Um, speaking more so to fertility related things at this point in time, when we have excess stress and inflammation, this can impact our ovaries ability to produce a healthy follicle, which holds the egg that will then ovulate. So when we have this excess stress, it can decrease our ovulatory quality, which may have an impact in one's ability to ovulate or to conceive or to maintain a healthy pregnancy, as well as to produce enough progesterone. So progesterone is a hormone that is produced only from ovulation. So if we're not ovulating or our ovulatory quality is reduced because of excess stress and inflammation, this may further contribute to estrogen excess, estrogen dominance, and many of the issues that we discussed earlier. So moral of the story, ovulation is incredibly important, far beyond reproductive health, especially when we are considering inflammation balance and cystic fibrosis cases. So now that we have an understanding of how, where inflammation can come from, how inflammation can interfere with hormones and how stress can contribute to inflammation and hormone imbalances and how this can contribute to a dysfunctional cycle, what do we do about it? How do we break the cycle? How do we get out of this? And how do we support healthy ovulation to maintain our inflammation balance to decrease the upregulation of our immune system and hopefully decrease the presence of symptoms for those with cystic fibrosis. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Addressing chronic stress and chronic inflammation from these patterns is that we have to identify the root cause as a starting point. Just giving supplements, just taking supplements and hoping for the best is not it may be effective temporarily, but in the long term, it's not going to do the work that we really want it to do on a systemic level to help break this cycle. So we need to be able to understand and identify what the root of that chronic stress is. And this can be different for many different people. And this is a big reason why it's important to work with a functional health practitioner who can work with you on testing um, and can be able to determine what is leading to the chronic stress that the person is experiencing? Could this be related to their gut health? Could this be related to their nutrition, their environment, um, the amount of toxins that they are subjected to, their work, their home life, their family life, the uh, mental and emotional stressors, um, and how can we find balance within those systems? So stress can be mental and emotional, and I think that's the first thing that we think of when we consider stress but stress is also physical and environmental as well. So there are many areas to consider and many areas to support. And this is where the holistic support comes in for managing chronic stress. So we want to identify that root cause um, of the stress and inflammation, which really takes some time to get to know the client or the patient that we're working with um, and be able to understand their background, their history, their current life situation and um, influences that could be contributing to the stress and situation that is contributing to their symptoms. But it is also important to recognize that when we are working with women, naturally women are very resilient 
beings. And so a lot of women can have a higher stress tolerance or stress response. And this has been ingrained into us for a long period of time. So although we may say, oh, we're not stressed, we're fine. We've got this, right? There is still underlying stress that can be happening on a systemic level that can be influenced far beyond the brain catches up to, oh yeah, I am stressed. And this is one of the big reasons why we go from being fine to not being fine, like the straw on the camel's back. So we need to understand our stress tolerance and recognize that the damage can be done far beyond the symptoms actually show. So supporting the body in general through daily life, as well as identifying those root causes, getting strategic with it, um, can also be helpful. So we can bring in some um, adjustments to our nutrition and our digestive health. So for example, being mindful of what we're eating, the quality of foods that we're eating. Um, There's a lot of controversy out there on nutrition as a functional health practitioner and a nutritional therapy practitioner. Um, Animal foods are one of the most nutrient dense um, food sources specifically for hormone health. So there's a lot of controversy out there on cholesterol, Um, there is a lot of argument out there on is cholesterol good or bad for us. Um, but one important thing that we need to keep in mind is that for all steroid hormones, they are derived from cholesterol. So we have to have a good amount of cholesterol within our diet to have the necessary precursors to be able to produce those steroid sex hormones to begin with. And truthfully, when we are speaking to animal-based products and animal-based foods, the cholesterol is important, but it's one of the less important aspects of it. Um, There is a lot of research out there that shows that the cholesterol that we're eating does not contribute to that same arterial plaque buildup of cholesterol that we see in heart disease cases. Um, Big Fat Surprise is a really great book that kind of brings out some of this research, um, speaks to these this topic a little bit more if you want to dive deeper into that. But what is more important involved with animal proteins and animal-based products is the amount of high-quality animal protein. So the protein sources are really important, um, as well as the nutrient-dense and bioavailable nutrients, vitamins, and minerals that are found within those foods. So making sure that our clients or yourself are eating nutrient-dense foods that contain both animal proteins, animal-based foods, and a variety of plant-based foods is going to be really important. So that nutrient-dense balanced diet will be really important, as well as focusing on the quality of the food that we're eating. So making sure that we're not eating animal products from conventional feedlot operations, but that we are choosing um, grass-fed, really high-quality raised and grown food sources to minimize our exposure to additional toxins and stuff. So what you're eating is really important. Also being mindful of how much um, additives are in our foods, processed foods that we're eating, stuff like that, but as well as how much we're eating. Now, I know sometimes there's the conversation of um, eating less for weight loss, but in a lot of cases, specifically in relation to hormone health and stress, most of the time we need to be eating more. 
this is specifically speaking to a lot of um, women or individuals who are trying to eat less in order to lose weight or over exercising um, and kind of going through this chronic dietary pattern. Um, the most important thing is that we need to be increasing our caloric intake for a lot of individuals. One of the most common things I see in women with hormone imbalances is that they are um, not eating enough or they are malnourished because they're not eating highest high quality foods. So pertaining to the specifics of this and how much food is going to be best for your body and your needs and your metabolic health, work with a functional health practitioner to dial in those ratios. And also just remember to eat whole foods, nutrient dense foods, and that's going to help you a lot. <clears throat> On top of that, you're going to want to think about how you're eating um, and how you're supporting your digestive health and your blood sugar balance through how you're eating. So eating a um, protein rich breakfast in the morning is really important for helping to stable, stabilize blood sugar levels and not contribute to drops because when we have blood sugar imbalances, this can further increase cortisol because cortisol is another hormone that's going to internally increase our blood sugar levels in states of famine. So getting your blood sugar balanced first thing in the morning by eating a nutrient dense protein rich breakfast can be really helpful. Um, as well as making sure that we're not eating on the go and that we're actually taking time to be present with our meals and chew fully to support the full function of our digestive health and well-being. Um, and not interfere with that process at all, because you are only able to absorb as much as you're able to digest in that kind of sense. So if you're eating good food, you're taking good supplements, you want to make sure that you're able to digest them, not just take them. Um, in addition to this, thinking about digestive imbalances, such as if there is bacteria imbalance within the gut, a yeast overgrowth within the gut, a parasite, um, those things may need to be identified and addressed because those can be um, sometimes primary causes of chronic stress and inflammation as well. Again, stress can be physical as much as it can be mental and emotional. Other things to think about outside of nutrition and digestive health, which is a big foundation of maintaining our inflammation balance and our stress is to prioritize sleep and to maintain a healthy lifestyle as well. So movement, um, not too much, not too little kind of a thing, um, keeping it within a good, healthy activity level, um, on a daily basis, as well as making sure that you're prioritizing sleep as much as possible. In addition to this, receiving support for your emotional, mental stress, um, digging through trauma work, um, childhood issues, um, things like that can all be super helpful because trauma can store in the body and contribute to that chronic stress response as well. Um, other strategies that we can work through are getting morning sunlight, as I said, eating a healthy breakfast, as well as making sure you're eating breakfast before you're, eat, you're drinking coffee. That can be a big one. So drinking your coffee with your meal or drinking your coffee after your meal and not skipping breakfast and just having coffee, essentially that and getting outside in the morning, getting some sunlight into your eyes, um, supporting lymph flow. So dry brushing can be really helpful. Um, with supporting the immune system and inflammation response. And then there are some strategies for supplements that can be used as well, such as adaptogenic herbs. There are a variety of adaptogenic, herb, adaptogenic herbs out there, excuse me, that um, nourish and support the adrenals 
as well as the HPA system. So the communication between the brain and the adrenals. So we have things like ashwagandha, rhodiola rosea, Tulsi holy basil. Those are a few good ones to mention. Skullcap can be another, um, but speci speaking specifically to which adaptogens are going to be best for you, it depends on what kind of cortisol imbalance you're having. If you have too much cortisol, too little cortisol, and if there's HPA dysregulation. So work with a functional health practitioner, work with an herbalist when assessing and considering bringing in adaptogenics. Um, other nutrients that can be supportive for stress would be magnesium, B vitamins, and let's not forget hydration, water, and electrolytes. Beyond that, if you're looking to really assess what's going on so that you can fine tune and find some strategy in supporting your stress regulation system, Dutch testing is really helpful. So the Dutch test is the dried urine test of comprehensive hormones, and this is easily one of the best tests on the market for assessing hormone health, as well as hormone metabolism, which can tell us a lot about the state of our body's health and function. And it can also give us a really great insight into our adrenal health and how our body is responding to stress and what's happening with the cortisol imbalances specifically. So to be able to utilize that test, um, I would suggest working with a functional health practitioner through the International Association for Functional Hormone Health. We provide a full training for practitioners that teaches all of this and so much more in regard to functional hormone health, as well as using tools within our practices, such as the Dutch testing and serum hormones and fertility awareness charting, which can all provide us plenty of information to work with when we are assessing our hormone health, our adrenal health, and how that may support or detriment a person's state of inflammation, particularly within cystic fibrosis cases. So don't hesitate to reach out if you are a, um, a person who is looking for support in your hormone health and balancing inflammation. We have a practitioner directory. You can go onto our website, iafhh.com, and you can find a practitioner in your area or someone who can work with you online. Or if you are a medical professional, a health professional, and you are interested in learning more about functional hormone health, we encourage you to look into our practitioner training. Um, reach out for support. We offer mentorship as well. Um, and we are here to support you in refining your skill and understanding of working with functional hormone health in your practice. So thank you so much for having me. This has been a pleasure. And I hope by now you have a more refined understanding of how stress and inflammation can contribute to hormone health, especially in those with cystic fibrosis. Thank you.